And welcome on in, everybody, to the Check Your Brain podcast, hosted by me, Tony Mazur. Uh, every Wednesday, these episodes for free go out, whether they're on all the podcast platforms, YouTube, Rumble, whatever platform is out nowadays, as well as Patreon, if you want more episodes like this. And early access to guests, go to patreon.com slash Tony Mazur. For just three bucks a month, you get a lot of content. Trust me, uh, prices are... <laughs> are kind of all over the place right now. So uh, while you're going to the grocery store and you're going to shop for all the overpriced stuff, why not pay three ex extra bucks more for my podcast? Or don't and you just enjoy this and you stumbled upon it because you too are a nostalgia buff like myself. And uh, that is why I'm doing this podcast today. And I it's a real pleasure to talk to people. And, and for my years of working in radio for 15 plus years, I've talked to a lot of people that were uh, people I grew up with uh, on uh, television shows, movies, music, comedians, artists. And uh, it, it's always, I start getting lost in it and I have to kind of put myself back to earth. I'm breaking the fourth wall right now where you're going like, wow, this is somebody I grew up watching and I'm like such a fan, but then also I have to be the broadcaster and I have to have some kind of decorum as I do the podcast. So I'm going to kind of weave between both of them as I uh, welcome my guests. So actually my guests, plural here in today, it's a father-son duo. It's a father-son combo on here. It's not Father's Day, but it may as well be here on the podcast. And I'm joined by Max and Mark Wiener. How are you, fellas? Tony, every day is Father's Day when I'm with him. Really is. It's It, it has to be a treat. As With having Mark Wiener as your father, I, I can't even imagine what kind of childhood. I mean, my, my dad had his own quirks, but having Mark Wiener as your father is incredible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tell him about the slide. Oh, no. <laughs> That's for another podcast. <laughs> What, what what slide or is this a is this a childhood? When he, he tried was... to uh, build me a water slide uh, when I was young and it didn't really go as planned, um, it kind of fell apart mid slide, and I went crotch first into uh, <laughs> one of the wooden support benches that he put. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. you know, he's he's a performer. He's not a, con a contractor, or construction worker. And uh, thank, you, right. thank you. And if he ever gets out of line, I just threatened to sue him. So it's OK. Well, first, Max, I want to I want to bring you up here and I want everybody, if you uh, have an opportunity and if you're watching on the video here on YouTube, go to mindofmax.com. You get to see that uh, performance and art really does run in the family here. Talk about first, Max, about what what you do. Where can we find you outside of just the website and uh, uh I guess I'm assuming your father's the one who really got you into it. Or is this like a whole family thing where you're like, uh Oh, the gene's starting to hit me. I'm feeling it in the blood right now. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's genetic. Um, I I've always loved to perform and create and, you know, you can't really help it if you have it in you. And um, yeah, I always love to draw. I think the earliest I can remember. So I'm an artist and a musician and, uh, you know, I'm into comedy. I'm into really anything creative. Um, and I remember I used to have this, uh, I love the, the Captain Underpants book series by mm. Dave Gilkey. Have you ever read that one? Uh, too many times. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> I love that whole idea of like the kids stuck in school and then making their own comic books. And I remember in uh, middle school, I did this uh, cartoon called Saver. And it was this, um, it kind of like a, um, what was it? Uh, Power Rangers type of thing. And and he like, it was kind of like James Bond meets Power Rangers where he had this helmet. So it could really be anybody. You remember those? Oh, I sure did. Yeah, it was cool. And and like, you know, I, that was the first way that I, I started to express that creativity. Um, 
And then in high school, I think I had this one teacher who I really didn't like, and I made this whole Captain Underpants like style comic book based off of this guy, Rabbi Greenberg. And um, I, I had this whole like kind of family guy-esque uh, drawing of him and me, like my friends and I, we would just make these ridiculous like, you know, uh, Max and the gang try to stop this guy from doing this, this, and this. It was so much fun. Um, but yeah, and then music too. Uh, I, I like to do folk music, country, rock and roll, really anything. And um, I have, I think, three albums out now on Apple Music and Spotify, wherever you know you can find streaming music. And yeah, I just love to create anything. And now, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? I'm 32. 32. Okay, so you were born during the Wienerville time. Oh yeah, absolutely. I I grew up going on the set. That's I, I mean it's it's incredible to think that you, you, coming from a performance family like my uh, I came from a little bit my, my mom's an artist and my my father though he was a police officer he always wanted to do some kind of journalism or broadcasting and we've had some performance in the family but I was kind of the first of everybody else to kind of break away from like we like we never really had the quote unquote family business but you really were born into this and uh and and you really kind of just picked up the torch where your <laughs> where, where, where your dad set the standard yeah what kind of art did your mom do uh she's still creating she's still doing a lot of um uh, uh she's doing more like kind of fused glass right now but she did watercolor she did um kind of like a paper mache type, uh, but, you know, drawing and painting. And I did that as well. I wanted to be a cartoonist. Uh, uh, being from Ohio, we were heavily influenced by Calvin and Hobbes. And uh, I got a chance to meet Bill Amond, who created Foxtrot when I was a kid. It was like my first big celebrity. It was like in the 90s, I get a chance like, oh, it's the Foxtrot guy. And I didn't know what to say. <laughs> I sat there. I'm like, <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, I, you know, it was, it was really cool. And then as I got older, I started getting into community theater and then eventually radio. And it, it was more performance based as opposed to me drawing and painting and everything. So it's a it's it's a lot of fun to really do, do express that creativity. And I think a lot of people have that chance where um, they're in a family that does encourage that. And <laughs> looking at your father sitting next to you right there, I'm sure he's like, Absolutely. I don't I don't think he discouraged you from getting into any of this. Oh, no, no. no. He's always been so supportive, like whatever I want to uh, go, whatever avenue, you know, just like you're saying you have like all the different things. It's You, you have to have support or else you're not going to do it. So, Mark, uh, uh, I mean, obviously, are you, I'm, I'm sure you're very proud of proud of Max and what he's. Very proud. To put out. I'm proud of him. I'm proud of him. So thir 32, so that means you were, you know, at, at that time you were on the set and everything for Wienerville. And for folks who remembered Wienerville, uh, I mean, this was a show that as a kid, uh, it, there's something that drew a lot of people to it from a vaudevillian aspect that it you'd think by the 90s, a puppet show might be kind of passe, might be old fashioned, but uh, it attracted a massive audience. And everyone I knew when I was a kid, I'm 35. Uh, that we would come home and they would show the reruns during the week when we get home from school. So uh, being born in the 80s, but growing up in the 90s, we didn't have the I think the afternoon after school specials were kind of going by the wayside because we had Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon. 
And those were the the uh, big options at that time. So Nickelodeon had time to fill and they decided, yeah, let's put more blocks of Wienerville during the week. And uh, basically all my friends, we all talked about it. And to this day, when I tell them who I'm talking to today, they're like, shut up. Really? Is this who you really have on? So it's, uh, it's a really cool thing for folks who uh, are watching on the video. There's the intro to the show. Uh I guess, Mark, talk about the um, how you were able to pitch this. How did you get under Nickelodeon's radar in a uh, network that at that time was kind of moving away from a little bit more of the 1980s pinwheel live action stuff and more cartoon stuff that you were able to kind of get in front of uh, in front of Nickelodeon executives? How, how were you able to do that? Well, now they hadn't yet started the, their cartoons uh, journey yet. Um, so what what I I was uh, developing those the head puppet, uh, you know, Dottie and and there was a show on Ha, you know, there was Comedy Central, a comedy, comedy channel. channel, right? And Ha, there was a show called Random Acts of Variety on, and um, I went on there with Dottie as a waitress, and in a little diner. Um, and I think it's, it's uh, Manny showed that um, it's online. And um, first of all, do you know Manny? Or, from the comedy store? No, or, I mean, comedy store. Oh, no, no. Again, Manny, Manny from the comedy store. What a sweet guy. Do you have a picture? Of you know, of, you know of Manny from the comedy store? Well, comedy co well, the comedy seller. Yeah. In New York. I, I remember hearing about him a lot, uh, but uh so okay yeah 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 sweet uh sweet man um so uh manny is our super fan he's like a historian he, he's he's like he uh, a wienerville historian he does all the specials about wienerville now and um he wrote our wikipedia page so um He's on YouTube and stuff too. He did like a 30th anniversary special. He built like a whole Wienerville replica set and like his. That's own amazing. He yeah, did he, his own bony hand puppet too. It like really looks amazing. Amazing guy. Um, okay, so um, random acts of variety. I have the little puppet set of Dottie, and I start um, interacting with actors bringing actors onto my puppet set. So, um, and I got on maybe eight of their shows. So um, I kind of developed Wienerville type of thing. And then and the producer said to me that I should have a village where everyone lives. So I said, okay, do you want to produce it? And she said, no, but I went on to, um, my I, one of the sections on there was a, a a puppet segment called "That's Not Fair," where I'm the game show host and the puppet set bring people on, and comedy. It was going to be Comedy Central. The two came together. Comedy Central made that their very first pilot of my "That's Not Fair" with me and the puppets, and uh, when they were done with filming it they tested it and it said it tests too young for their demographics my manager's sister-in-law was 
in development of uh, Nickelodeon. Okay. So we brought it to her and they said, we're looking for it exactly like this show. Yeah, so. and it it provided it was like a true re, like a, a variety show that you remember from the 1970s, where you have musical acts, you have you have guest stars that showed up, you have different cast of and cavalcade of characters. Yet they were mainly played by you, which was hilarious. And uh, the uh, and you're talking to Dottie, uh, who's played by Mark Weiner. When Mark Weiner in real life, it was just it was, it, it's it, it was such a surreal show that his kind of. Uh, made this comeback for, for especially online of people that like I like I'll see people going like remember how weird this show was and it's like yeah that's the point it was weird but kids are weird adults are weird everybody's weird and it, it brought something out and that's why I said it there was something quaint about it that was vaudevillian or burlesque to it that uh, that I really liked and for you being a longtime street performer you at that point had been uh, street performing for what 20 plus years by the time you got the show right yeah, and you and you were on uh, like you were a favorite at all these places. Here's this is you on the uh, MDA, the Jerry Lewis telethon back in 1993, performing. <laughs> it's just all of all of these puppets. It just brings back so many memories, and uh, uh, <laughs> that whole routine is burned into my brain too. What, so were you were you surprised by the success from the show that it started out as it was like what chunks of two hour specials that they were playing on the weekends and it just exploded in popularity to the point where you're hosting their version of New Year's Rock and Eve? Um, well, it was actually we did 12 minutes of material and then they showed those, you know, those classic cartoons. And uh, so that that would make the half hour, and then they put four of them together on Sunday, so that gave us you know the two hour block that you were talking about. Okay, uh, yeah, and it, it but it just really, like I said, it took off for a lot of people, and um it, and it was around and it was in reruns for a long time. But you kind of you even though uh, it wasn't renewed, you still stayed with Nickelodeon doing a lot of voiceover work with them. Uh, I guess talk about that relationship, how you were able to have that show and still kind of keep that together throughout the 90s. So we did two seasons uh, of Wienerville, and uh, then we did th three or four specials, the New Year's Eve, the Hanukkah special, uh, election special. I think the Yegabad. Yegabad, uh, and that was for... Um, the Nat National Dairy Association. Um, so th then that brought us into the later 90s. And at that point, what my friend Chris Gifford, who was executive producing Clarissa Explains It All, was starting mm -hmm. a show called Dora the Explorer. And okay. he asked me to come on and uh, do the map and swiper, you know, for this animation show. And so then that took me, so I stayed on with Nickelodeon through all the way it, up until today, you know, we just. That's pretty incredible. That, that, Dora, Dora's coming back again. And we just taped the first season of it. And uh, there's actually in the movie theater. If you go to the movie theaters, I think t the 28th, when's the 28th? 
tomorrow. Tomorrow? Yeah. Okay, tomorrow. Anyone, when you go to see the Paw Patrol, I know everyone's going to mm-hmm. to see that. There's a, a short movie of Dora um, in which Dora is try, at Dora Boots Swiper. So we're in the movie theaters. So That's great. Look at, look at you. You're still around. So for anybody thinking like, what's Mark doing nowadays? It's like, no, he's still around. He's still doing it, still plugging away, staying active. And uh, I it, talk about with Wienerville. And I, I want to get to a little, a couple of more topics as well. But what was that process like? The writing process, the production process, the costume and design process. Was it as uh, much of a, like, did it seem like such a labor of love uh, yes. to do that? Or like, uh, talk about that. Late, absolutely labor of love. Um, we were in New York City. We we start up in New York City with my head writer Ray Abruzzo, who plays Little Carmine in The Sopranos. Oh uh, yes, great, great guy, funny. And Scott Fellows was one of our main writers. Um, Scott Fellows went on to produce uh, so many shows on Nickelodeon. Um, Ned's right. Ned's Declassified, um, the boy band. What the Naked Brothers band? He did? Yeah. Oh, I maybe. didn't know that. Yeah. So, um, so we have this great writing staff, and then we kind of put together these scripts. Then we go down to Florida, and we meet this amazing art department, and puppeteer Dave Dave Jordan, Wavy Davy. Um, just great guy. He's the one who created Boney and he was my puppet master and great art directors and great costume people. And everybody's having fun putting this, this wacky show together, you know, and the Wienerizer and then the Playland. Do you remember second season Playland where we have those creamerizer guns that come out and we're shooting whipped cream at each other? Oh, yes. <laughs> um, uh, I remember we, it, you know, uh, there was this guy, a, um, a Taylor, um, who was in charge. He created all these things for Nickelodeon. He was the set designer and and uh, Byron Taylor, um, amazing, talented person who just, he created the Wienerizer. You know, I said to him, I want something to shrink people. And he goes, okay. I go down in Florida and there it is, this big machine. And, you know, when I was a kid, I I was thought I'm like, did they really do that? Like you really did it that it's theater of the mind now. Like you kind of see how it is today. But as a kid, I'm like, wait, are they really shrinking them? Do do they have one? I watch too many Looney Tunes cartoons of uh, somebody being trapped in in some kind of uh, compressor and then they turn out small with this big head and you're like, did they really do that? And uh, it it was amazing for a show. Was it like, how was the budget on a show? Something like that. I I don't know. I don't, I wasn't involved in in the money aspect of it. So uh, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't great. Um, but you know, they, they let us, they let us buy things, you know, and, and we would break them up and make other things out of them. Well, you, you made do and it was, uh, it was quite a, uh, uh, it was quite a show and, uh, just, just still talking about it to this day is just, uh, brings back all these memories. And, 
what what's what's funny is with you having that background here because I have another video that I found actually this is what it, be, be, before Wienerville was a lot of it was I found this clip because I always go on um uh, I see these uh I, I follow the evening at the improv YouTube account and seeing you up on the evening at the improv so this is 1981 right here and you're up there so I'm assuming this is the one on Melrose I 81 or before 81. <laughs> It says 1981 because I think that's what the year it launched was 81. Is this the one with Bud Friedman in the corner? Yeah. Um, well, I had already by 81, I was doing uh, Saturday Night Live. So I think this might have been, it says 81, but I think it, it's a little bit, this is definitely earlier than 81. Okay. This, that was my routine. That was um, very polished, right? Yeah. And, um, this I, this is the L.A. one, right? Yeah, I, th I think so. Yeah, because I think by then they may have closed the New York one. Well, uh, I I could be wrong, York, but the New York one stayed open. It was his wife, um, ran Silver Friedman ran that one. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, now, Silver Friedman actually gave me the idea to. She showed me a little boxing glove cigarette holder and and she said you know this might be good for your puppets and then so i then i put two of them on rocco's hands do you know those little cigarette light and little boxing gloves yes keychains okay mm -hmm. so oh yeah i remember those so then yeah i don't know if we can do this puppet today <laughs> <laughs> but 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 even even still it's just it you can even do it no matter what but it, it's what meaning you know, whatever kind of puppet nowadays, but it's it, it's funny because doing a puppet act nowadays, like some, because I do stand up as well, and I remember for a long time people would say like, oh, you bring a guitar on stage, or you have props, or a puppet, or whatever. That's hack, and I'm thinking it's not yeah. hack. It's not like what I I like having that variety. Just being a straight monologist on stage with the the brick backdrop and a microphone and going like, so did you hear about this going on in the news? I'm like, give me something a little bit different. And if I were in that stage in the early '80s, or even if I'm on stage or if I'm off stage and I'm in the audience seeing a puppet act in 2023, I think I would love that. Right. I think I love that variety. I think in in with the pure monologist stand up the purists out there that are like uh, i kind of want somebody who's going to go up there and make me think and I'm like sometimes i don't want to be i don't want to think i just want to laugh <laughs> where, where do you work which which clubs kind of locally i've done i i've done a couple of uh, i did um the ice house and i've done uh, uh was it uh, ha ha cafe out in la but i, I prefer, i've done some stuff in new york but mainly in ohio um what city in ohio are you in uh, I'm in Cleveland. So Cleveland was it was a an, was one of my very first. That's kind of like where I got my start in on the road as a comic at a com the Cleveland Comedy Club. Okay, yep. Deep, unfortunately, long gone, like all, all of them. But like you, Dino, in the comedy boom, right? Dino Vince, um, and uh, uh, Dino Vance, Dino Vince, um, and we started in that his comedy club and. Um, who, uh, who's the guy on, um, that improv show from Cleveland? Uh, oh, Drew Carey. Drew Carey. Drew Carey w was 
this up and coming guy who, um, you know, was like the MC one night, you know, and um, when I was in uh, in Cleveland on stage, um, Saturday Night Live had called me to tell me, uh, Joe Piscopo called me and said, asked me if I could be on the following week's show, but I was in Cleveland, Ohio. That, that, oh, the, really? Yeah. So, so uh, what, how how long were you on SNL? Because that was around the the uh, the time of the second phase of when the yes. when Belushi and everybody, and then you were getting the Gene Dominion years of, yes. where they had they had uh, Gilbert Gottfried was on there of all people, right. Joe Piscopo, Eddie Murphy. Um, yeah. But what what was that like? Uh, and how how long did you last there? Okay, so Silver Friedman told me about the the boxing gloves. Mm. So then I started developing Rocco as a boxer. Joe Piscopo, John DeBellis, who, uh, who, who were, you know, we at the improv, we all auditioned to be on the show in, in the summer, the end, end of the summer. Um, John DeBellis gets hired as a writer. He brings Joe Piscopo on. Joe Piscopo mid-season brings me on to do that boxing puppet on Joe Piscopo live uh, Saturday Night Live Sports. Okay? okay. So we get, we go on, we do it. R Ray Abruzzo, my director and writer, uh, we work up this routine. Rocco does really well on that that show. They say as soon as we're done, they say, you're coming back the next week. We come back with Wendula, who was that puppet, uh, that the dancing puppet, who was going to fight Rocco. Okay. So Rock, Wendula, the second week, Rock, Wendula comes on. And Eddie Murphy, we wrote a rap song for him. Eddie Murphy helped rewrite this song. The Wendula kills... The, the next week we come back, the two puppets are going to fight each other. Don King, the fight promoter, mm -hmm. is calling the, sh the fight with Joe Piscopo. And they have the fight on the show. It was it, The whole show was centered around this boxing f match. And uh, then I get a contract for five more weeks to finish the season. But then the Gene gets fired. Oh, yes. Uh, and uh, that was a, uh, they, they, that was a, what's the name? Dick Ebersole took over. Dick Ebersole comes back and he, he tells me, everyone comes together in his office. He tells me I'm coming back. So uh, the, when everyone was get, were coming, getting ready to come back, they tell me that they want to use Mr. Bill. Remember Mr. Bill? Oh, yeah. They want to use Mr. Bill the first week, but then I'm going to come back the second week. Second week comes. We're in the read, in the read through. Uh, Al Franken is going to be the host. I just start showing them what I'm going to do. And someone comes in and there was a writer's strike and the writers uh -huh. killed the season. And then the following year, that's when I'm in Cleveland 
Joe Piscopo comes, calls up and tells me to come back. They want me to do Captain Bob, my sea captain routine. They want Captain Bob to be on the show. I mean, it's uh, you were really all over the place. Ma Max, what do you think? How weird is it that all of these who are now considered comedy icons, like Eddie Murphy and Lauren Michaels and all, like all, all of this in this area, that your dad has had a hand in all of this. He really has kind of been a showbiz uh, Forrest Gump in a way. Yeah. Forrest Gump. <laughs> what, what, what do you want to know? <laughs> well, no, it's it, it's interesting because like, like when I, when I said how it runs in the family, that I'm sure you've had your run-ins with people, and uh, whether like uh, big time artists or musicians and everything, and you're like you you your dad pats the torch onto you, and then you're like, hey, I'm up on stage playing with this person, and this person's in the studio, and this person helped me record or lay down a track or something like that. Are, are you asking for like parallels or? Yeah, yeah, a little bit, yeah. There really aren't so much for, for my career yet, but you know, it's just so cool what he's done. And then you get to meet a lot of these people and they're just as anxious or weird as everybody else, are, you know, are. So it's, it's, there's like the thing we see on screen and then who they are behind the screen. And it's just, it's, it's, I like to be, and I'm sure you do too. I love being around weirdos, like people who are just express, like they have to do it. It's this manic thing where if they don't get it out, what are they going to do? You know, right. it's like you, you need sometimes, you know, this is a way for people to overcome like learning disabilities. And this is, you know, they got bullied or whatever it is. And this, yeah. whatever happens. Form of therapy for a lot of people. It really is. For all of us. Yeah. You, I, oh, yeah. Yeah. we're all in it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, work it out on stage. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing. Like, you know, it's just it's it's amazing that from that stuff comes Wienerville or any of these things. And, you know, it's crazy. It's really insane. Like, truly, all like your podcast, things. like your podcast. Yeah. You know, you just had this idea. Let me just do it. Right. Kind of. I mean, it was one of those where I, I I accumulated these skills over the years of radio, which just didn't pay a lot anymore. So I work a regular job now and I do this as saying it again, a labor of love. And I get it. But it's but it's really not too much labor. It's I get to talk to talk to you guys. I mean, this is what's fun about it. And uh uh, but also you got to put in the work and you got to continue putting stuff out there for, for the audience and everything. And um, one thing I was I asked this because with a lot of comedian friends about the uh, the getting on stage and performing. And if you still get those butterflies, like when you know that it's five minutes till showtime and I ask both of you, um, uh, do you still get that like pit in your stomach? You're like, uh oh, I don't want to disappoint. And you get those butterflies. Do you still do you, both of you still get that? I think uh, I'm sure you can relate to it. That there's always that like that fear because you have no idea who's going to be in the audience. You don't know what kind of you know vibe is going to be there. Um, I mean, I, I just took an improv class in the city. Um, I forget. I, I don't remember the school right now off the top of my head, but I remember I showed up a little bit late to our class show. And it was like the first time I'd been on stage in a pretty long time. And it was like, you get freaked out, but then I don't know. I feel like people who are going to be performers, you just end up, you, you get on stage and then you feel good. Like, 
the minute you start getting into your rhythm and you tell me yeah, what it's going, yeah. like for you, but it's, yeah, you just, you get there and then you're like this, I'm just, I'm here. Like, and that, and then the, the juices start flowing and whatever kind of charisma you have is going to come through hopefully. And you just kind of have to like survive on there and do your thing. And it's fun. Like, you know, you find ways to, to reset and, and, you know, do your thing, but yeah, for sure. I, I get nervous. I'm sure everybody, you know, should at some point, cause it's kind of insane. You're getting up in front of strangers who you have no idea. You're <clears> like, this is a part of my soul, you know, and please don't kill me. You know, it's like, <laughs> don't yell at me. Don't make fun of me. I want to, I'm here to make you laugh or to entertain you. I mean, what, how about you? Yeah. You know, all of that. And you know, you, you get, you want to get that first laugh. Right. Um, you know, um, you know, that's the approach that I always took, you know, as soon as you got that first laugh, then you can relax. And then, you know, jump when you go on stage, right. What, what's it like for you? Well, uh, because of uh, so the comedy club I was performing, I usually perform at uh, and, and I go up. The owner just passed away over the summer and mm-hmm. it kind of like, was a real kick in the gut for me. And it, it, going going up there, knowing that he's not there. And mm-hmm. he was a, he was an eccentric uh, Lebanese guy that would dr- just drop F-bombs the whole time and yell at you. But he was, wasn't yelling like he wasn't mad at you. He would just yell because that's what he did. And so many uh, like big time comedians would go there like they they could play theater gigs and say, but I still want to play the funny stop in Cuyahoga Falls, which used to be called hilarities. And it uh, so it was kind of a gut punch for me over the summer. But eventually I'm starting to do some more stuff. I'm getting booked again. And I I just did last weekend with uh, the comedian Carlos Mencia. I was working with him for a bit. And yeah, uh, yeah, it, it takes a little bit because you're going in front of an audience that doesn't know who you are, that probably if you're an opener, if you're a host or an MC, they may not know who you are after, but you hope that you're going to make some kind of impact on them, whether positive or negative. I'd rather, that's why like whenever comedians start getting political on stage, I'm like, you know what? I would rather the whole crowd love me or the whole crowd hate me, not half the crowd like me and half the crowd hate me. So I'm like, I'm going to go up, up on stage. I'm going to tell my jokes, get off stage and then meet you after the show. Maybe we'll have a drink or whatever the case. So, yeah, it is a a feeling of it's nice to it's nice to get that feeling, get that first joke out of there. Uh, and then you get a couple rolling and then you can go, OK, now you can come with me on this journey that we're having. So it's uh, it, it is a nice release. And uh, I, I actually have to ask this because uh, I was do- doing the research uh, about your your faith and how. Uh, because, you know, we, you know, being in showbiz, especially in Hollywood or anything is that you're having a lot of people who are more secular, atheist, whatever. They're not keeping Sabbath. They're not going to church. They don't really care that much about faith, but you kind of went in the opposite direction and you have kept Sabbath and you have been, uh, your, uh, your faith has played a huge role in your life to the point where you're, you're not performing in times when normal comedy clubs are performing. Talk a little bit about that, how you kind of had the little bit of, even though you've always been uh, a, a religious man, that you kind of took it to a new level, especially as uh, your career continued. Well, here again, Cleveland is a first. Um, really? <laughs> yeah. That I be, I was performing, you know, re- doing my stand-up and, uh, you know, and then I decided I was not going to uh, 
become more observant of, of the observing the Jewish Sabbath with me, means that I can't drive in a car. Um, I shouldn't be working on Friday nights. So I s slowly uh, worked my way into it because, you know, in the comedy clubs, you Friday and Saturday nights, the big nights. So um, I, my rabbi told me that if I, if, okay, if I have to work, it was, you know, just go there, but don't get in the car afterwards. You know, he was slowly giving, allowing me to. A little dispensation. Uh, yeah. So, so, and if the microphone was turned on for somebody else and it wasn't turned on for me, I could speak into the microphone. So Cleveland and Dino, the owner of that club, was very um accommodating so my hotel was you know the club was downtown mm -hmm. um, and the hotel was maybe two or three miles away so i would perform and then afterwards i would not get in the car but i would walk to the hotel and dino would drive alongside me so i wouldn't get you know in any trouble and wow. so so Cleveland was a very important part of my religious uh, beginnings, you know. Your awakening. Yeah. So thank you, Cleveland. Woo! There you go. Cleveland, we, we do rock, I guess. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Max, have you kept? Uh, have you have you kept uh, along with that, or is it? Uh, you know, you're you're still waiting for yours, or what? Uh, how, how have you been, if you don't mind me asking, with your faith? I'm agnostic. Uh, so. Okay years yeah but i'm you know respectful of everything that he does um but yeah it's it you know not not for me but it's um yeah everybody i think finds their own relationship with it and their own way to make it work and it's so personal you know it's such a you could put a blanket term on it but i think everybody finds whatever they need to help them through you know understanding life and connecting to whatever they want God to be for them. And, you know, that's, it's just such a, it's a beautiful thing and it's a personal thing, I think for everybody. So yeah, for me, I'm agnostic. Yeah. So what you're saying is you have a lot of Friday gigs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, guys, th this has been a fantastic podcast. I love uh, getting a chance to, uh, to talk to both of you. And uh, uh, actually I got to play this really quick just because um, this is you on John Biner's bizarre. And the reason I played it is John Biner was a former podcast guest. Who was, oh, who was great. Really? Yep. Yeah. He's, uh, he put a book out a couple of years ago. He's 85 years old and uh, yeah, he's, he's on Facebook and he's, he's living down in Florida right now. He's enjoying mostly retired life. He was so kind to me for, you know, this show and this show that was produced by Bob, Bob Einstein, Bob Einstein, another great guy. Super Dave. Yep. Which I, I I miss him. I, I wish I was able to get I, I tried getting him on my show. I didn't have my podcast yet, but I was still on radio. I was trying to get a hold of uh, Super Dave, but he uh, I guess his, his health had been going downhill and I got a little um, I got a response from somebody and I said, eh, he's not doing interviews right now. When I get that response from somebody who's in their you know 70s or 80s, and I go, eh, I think I know what this means. 
but uh no this is uh yeah john was john was great being on my podcast it was a lot of fun um but it's it, you know it's also a lot of fun is having both of you on my show and uh, again um first of all max wiener uh mindofmax.com i'll i'll pull it up again here for people watching on the video but uh that's where we can go and find all of um all things to know about Max Wiener and uh, especially getting uh, going on YouTube music. In fact, I'm actually going to pull it up because I, I don't have Spotify, but I do have YouTube music. So I'm going to give you a like here and start listening to your music when I go to the gym or wait, where's the best place I can listen to your music. Is it at the gym? Is it, uh, you know, maybe having a couple of uh, pops at home or. <laughs> Interesting. You mentioned it's uh, actually a flotation tank is the best place. You just really. No, I'm kidding. Anywhere, anywhere. <laughs> walk, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. Excellent. I will. Yes. Um, I will hit, hit a like button there and subscribe to you. So next time uh, I uh, get new music from you, I'll be listening to it. Appreciate Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Yep. And we wish you the best of luck. Thank and you, Mark. And Mark Wiener, my, uh, the other guest here on the podcast, uh, where is there anything, are you uh, doing any gig work? Or are you doing any, uh... go to the movie theater and see <laughs> right. the Dora movie, you know, the short movie. And, or if you want to watch the, the last Dora movie, um, uh... there's a trippy scene in there with you. Yep. Yeah. We, uh, about two years, a year ago, two years ago, it two. Came out. two years ago, it came out, uh, Dora and the lost city. Uh, I'm sure. I'm the map in that, and uh, watch this coming season of Dora the Explorer. And where's where's that? Is that on Nickelodeon or is that on one of the Nickelodeon? Uh, probably on Paramount Nickelodeon. But uh, I'm Swiper in the new Dora the Explorer. Two two of some of the busiest men out there right now, Max and Mark Weiner. Both of you, thank you so much for being here on the Check Your Brain podcast. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's I, I man, I wish I did this in June. Had I known, and uh, but that's okay. It's September, and I'm putting this out. Not it's gonna be early October, and uh, yeah, doesn't it doesn't have to be you know the third weekend in June for it to be Father's Day. It could be any day, and I'm I, and it, it's so glad. To, I'm, it, it's I have a great relationship with my father, and it's so great that uh, you guys as well have uh, such a nice close relationship. It's uh, very heartwarming. What's your dad's name? My dad's name is also Mark, but with a K. Oh, well, tell, say hello to Mark and tell him he has a very nice son. Yeah. Well, well, I also have a brother and he's probably the nicer one. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, th thank you, gentlemen. Thank you so much. And thank you to the listeners of the Check Your Brain podcast. Again, go to patreon.com slash Tony Mazer. If you like this podcast and you want more of me, why would you? But hey, who knows? Just trying to... <laughs> Fish it out there just in case anybody wants more content. It's just three bucks a month at patreon.com slash Tony Mazer. But if you're just only listening for free, I've got another podcast for you coming up next Wednesday on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Again, my name is Tony Mazer. Thank you for listening and watching the Check Your Brain podcast. And again, be back with you next week. Bye, everyone.